Hey everybody, happy Monday. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is 3K12 Education Talk Radio. Well, on the 25th, I think, yeah, it is the last, or basically already the last uh, Monday in uh, September. Wow, that went fast. Okay, and that, that means winter's coming to Maine, okay, and it's not coming. We're going to be talking uh, to a bunch of people down at uh, Reading is Fundamental today, but they're expanding their work, and it's a great organization. Alicia Levy's here. She'll explain it all to us. Okay, and they've been on before. Alicia's been on many times. Okay, and they've been expanding their work, and they do a lot of work in uh, in uh, equity and inclusion, diversity, etc. They try to get books to people, books to kids, and uh, now they're expanding their work through middle school. And Alicia's here, and also Jessica Jones. And Jessica is the middle school assistant principal at a school called the Inspired Teaching Demonstration School in Washington, D.C. And she also, I'm going to talk to Jessica about this. She's founder, and she'll get you over there on the web, of the Creation Gym, which is really interesting. I went to the right place on the web. Okay, she's a literacy advisor, a family advisor, okay, on the advisory board over at uh, Reading is Fundamentals Middle School Family Literacy Advisory Board. That's a lot. So I'm looking forward to talking to Jess. And Alicia, and uh, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, where everything we do is, because we're the American Consortium for Equity in Education. So please go over to ace-ed.org. This podcast will be, like all our podcasts, this this will be archived over there. Our magazine is over there. That's called Equity and Access Pre-K-12. We also have our Excellence in Equity Awards. Everything we're doing over there is free for educators. We'd love you to get involved in our award program. And out of your colleagues, yourself, your school, whatever you like, just check out all the categories we have over there. Everything's free, all kinds of new information put up all the time over at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs, and we are going to be talking to Alicia Levy and Jessica Jones. And I'm going to start with Alicia, returning guest. How are you doing, Alicia? I am good. I, with you, Larry, cannot believe that it is the last Monday in yeah. September. It's yeah. been a busy, uh, busy back to school season for sure. It has, it has been. Speaking of back to school, with us is somebody who actually does that for a living. Hello, Jessica. I'm Larry. Good morning. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you. I'm so excited that we are. Where do you see me in person? I look just like Brad Pitt. Oh, I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jess, it's great to have you here, both of you here, i got to say. I'm really excited about this. Good way to start the week. But, Jessica, I have to ask you a couple of questions okay, before we get back to reading is fundamental. I went over to an Instagram site for the Creation Gym, which seemed like I was in the right place. Was I in the right place? Tell me what that is. Yeah, you were in the right place. So the Creation Gym is part community, part education. Um, What I want to do is provide a space for artists in the community to come together, share their art forms, share their skills, and also make it available to students and kids who are young who are just getting into art and really want to hone their skills, so little workshops and things like that. And then for the education side of it, um, we do a lot of consulting. Uh, We consult with private programs and schools to try to provide professional development to their teachers for arts integration but also for cultural inclusion to make sure that their programs are really addressing the communities that they serve. Wow, you've got a lot going on. All this is happening in good old Washington, D.C., which should be shut down next week. Traffic should be later next week. Okay, traffic should be later. I'm hoping so. 
If that, yes, you know, you that go. would be an anomaly, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's not, it's not funny, but of course we have the land of politics these days. It's just, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Question two, again in Washington, at the Inspired Teaching Demonstration School. That's where you're the middle school assistant principal. All right. And I went over to that website, too, and it's pretty darn cool. So why don't you brag a little bit about that place? Go ahead, yes. Jess. So, um, so the Inspired Teaching Demonstration School was founded in 2009 really by a group of educators at the Inspired Teaching Center. And what they really wanted to do is make sure that the best practices in education were shared with all communities, no matter who they served, with policymakers yeah. and with those community members. So they created a demonstration school that really let the community come into the school. So we serve um, demonstration-wise by hosting monthly tours and bringing um, different people of different arenas. So for example, um, like the Saudi Arabian Embassy came to see how kids in America learn. They came to our school. Wow. We did a residency um, with Michelle Obama. It was really, it's really nice that we try to bring everyone who could impact, anyone who could be a stakeholder, into our classroom to see what is the potential for education when the proper resources and the proper, um, you know, practitioners are put yeah. in front of these kids. Um, so that's what yeah, the school uh, really, uh, you know, focuses on. Yeah, you just nailed it in that whole statement. When we make it available to these kids, every kid learns. Is this a D.C. public school or is it a charter school? What, well, public schools are charter schools, but is, is what, what kind of school is it? How's it set up with the, within the structure of education in D.C.? Yeah, we are a public charter school. But we're also a residency school, so we also host resident um, teachers, so we teach them how to become master teachers in the field. Good job, I got to tell you. And, uh, you know, which you, I, I'll say it again because I'm reading a book called The Death uh, by Cara Fitzpatrick. Uh, she, it's a brand new book called The Death of Public Education. And I'm going to be interviewing her later on this week. And, you know, I, I was thinking as we were reading this, uh, as I was reading the book, that, you know, public education is out there, but it's, it's and we're, the, the beginning of the book talks about, you know, 1954 Brown versus Board of Education, Little Rock, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking it has, it has never worked well for the, the socioeconomically deprived communities, the African-American communities, those type of things. It's never worked well. It's always been under-resourced. And as such, we have a stereotype about it, Okay. It works great in the suburbs, okay, but it doesn't work great in the city. And I, I love the fact that you're doing this, and it's just a shame that we have to have people like you set up these great schools that prove what we should be have known since the very beginning. That's my speech for today, but it's just, I hope I said it right, but it's just, it's aggravating when I think about it. And congratulations yeah. on trying to solve the problem, you know, it's just ridiculous. I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's important that we make sure that, um, you know, great educational experiences are accessible to everyone. Yeah. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's really a shame if we can't make that happen in a place where we say that we value um, equality and freedom yeah. and all those things. Yeah, so. Yeah, easy to say. Easy to say. I'll tell you. that It's it's, it's easy to do. We just don't do it. There was a, there was a uh, and Alicia, you'll love this. I don't know whether you guys saw the, the school busing programming last week on PBS. And all they had to do was to solve the problem without any aggravation was just make get put the make the schools in the black neighborhoods get them resources. That's all the parents wanted. And what it developed into was this giant busing war with people throwing rocks at school buses with kids. 
It, it, it was nothing. It was just, yeah, let's just give them the money they need. Okay, they're in our community. Why don't we do that? It's absolutely unbelievable. So I congratulate you, Jess, on doing this. I really do. And now I'll go thank over you. to Alicia. Thank You're welcome. You're welcome. And Alicia, thank you for finding Jessica. Now tell us about Renee's Fundamental, which is who I <laughs> started to develop the show with. Go ahead. Tell us about that. Then we'll talk about how you're working with Jessica. Well, Reading is Fundamental is, as you know, uh, Larry is the nation's leading yes. children's literacy organization. We've been around for 56 years, really dedicated to doing exactly what you just said, bringing books and literacy resources to under-resourced communities. All they, need, all they need is help. All they need are the resources and, and the opportunity, right? There's not a parent or educator out there that doesn't want their children to succeed, and, and we help um, boost that opportunity through reading because I think we can all agree reading is the fundamental building block for learning, and so RIFT stays deeply focused on that mission, and we find experts like Jessica, Jessica who has, yeah. I think, the most outstanding name ever, her superpower, <laughs> she's a Marvel uh, superhero, but she's her, our Jessica's superpower, you heard all about it. Right? I mean, and, and that's what RIF does. We find experts in the field who can model and demonstrate um, opportunity that we can then take out to communities nationwide. We are so lucky and so honored to have Jessica as part of our um, advisory board. She has helped and, and the other members of that board have helped shape how we bring solutions to communities nationwide. And we're, we're super lucky to have her superpower with us. Uh, you she, <laughs> you you certainly so are taking all. I got I, I got to tell you. <laughs> and by the way, you said uh, you said Riff does this and Riff does that. Riff everybody is reading is fundamental. I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that R I F. Okay, acronym Riff. Okay, Riff.org, By the way, is the uh, is, is is the website. Okay, and it, I have to ask, how does a school, Alicia? I just want to get this out. How does a school or a school district get in touch with you? What 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 do they? Need all they to have do? to do. All they have to do is call 1-800-RIF-RIF-RIF and just call us. Um, we reach out to schools um, all the time. You can come to our website, rif.org, um, and, and learn more. Um, and we, we proactively reach out to schools and communities across the country as well. We are, we are lucky um, to have partners. Um, they are individual con- contributors. They're corporate partners, uh, state and federal partners, all committed to providing solutions for kids and communities nationwide. And so if you're a school, a school-adjacent program, an after-school program, a faith-based organization, Support. if you're committed to supporting children in your community um, with reading uh, at, at your, at your um, focus, then, then reach out to us, and, and we're, we're always adding um, to our um, to our network, we call our network literacy advocates. Um, these literacy advocates take all kinds of shapes and sizes. But if you want to participate in changing a child's life through the power of reading, then we want to yeah. partner with you. Changing a lot of kids, a lot of kids' lives. And I have to ask this: I just read another little article. Well, it was a fairly large article about uh, book banning, book banning across the country. And uh, then you have the, uh, the, the, the uh, lunatic and uh, CRT, critical race theory argument, which is beyond comprehension, okay, and all that stuff, the culture wars. And reading is fundamental. You're working to, to um, 
you know, get kids reading, and obviously that includes a lot of work about diversity so everybody can kind of see themselves in there, et cetera, et cetera. What's the word on, on all that and how that's affecting what reading is fundamental does? If I may ask the great political question these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's you know it's it's impossible not to have a conversation that doesn't uh, that doesn't uh, tie to these issues. And at the end of the day, yes. what reading is fundamental is is focused on is empowering choice, empowering access. We do not limit access or choice on the types of books that are available to children in communities nationwide. But we empower and and we and we help build capacity for parents and educators through our middle school family literacy initiative, for example. Um, We host parent back to school nights and activities. We provide resources for parents so that they can make informed choices. We create opportunities for educators through our Every Book Count series. We have free webinars available throughout the year and free resources available at RIF.org that help educators make informed decisions on how to best serve the children in their community. So what do we Actually, can you send that to the politicians? Could you send that? The the legislators (laughs) don't need it. It's the politicians who need it. You know, it's just ridiculous. Well, we believe that that reading provides learning opportunities, and and why would we limit learning opportunities for anybody? Um, But we also... No, there's a question. um, Yeah you know, that it's about choice and access, and, and that's, we stay very focused on that mission. Good. Have you gotten any flack at all before we get into more stuff? But have you gotten any flack on any of this stuff? <laughs> yeah. I hope not, well, but maybe you I, have. I, I would say everybody, you know. I mean, everybody yeah. gets, gets um, feedback, and, and what we do is we absorb that feedback, and we make sure that we stay very focused um, on our mission. We intersect a child's reading journey in a very particular point. Our job, our mission is to create joy, um, to, to encourage yeah. children to read, um, to motivate them, to engage them. And we want to create those opportunities in any way that we can, whether it's through a print book, a digital book, a graphic novel. The format shouldn't matter. It should be format inclusive, and it should be resource inclusive. So for us, when we get, you know, when we get pushback, and of course we do, of course we do, everybody does, we absorb that feedback and we stay focused on our mission. Good. And keep it up, by the way. It's just, it's so wacky out there right now when we need groups like yours and schools like Jessica's to make make good things happen. And now I want to swing over. Jessica is, uh, let me get this straight, straight. you're the uh, RIF, the Reading is Fundamental, middle school, one of your, wait a minute, let me get this straight, you're the, you're at the RIF Middle School Family Literacy Advisory Board member. That's what you are. You're an active advisory yes. board member. Okay, Jess, okay, I want to ask you this. How, and, and Alicia brought this up in just a, a minute ago, the word family is in there, okay? You're not just a literacy advisory board member, you're the family, a family literacy board member. Talk about the importance, and you teach the kids every day, and you teach, uh, you know, in a big urban city, okay? Which I think is a redundant term in urban city, but we'll just move on from there. <laughs> okay. We'll move on from that one, Okay. How important is family in all this? And I think that's a key thing. And again, Alicia brought it up a minute ago. Talk about that, Jess. And you, you deal family with it every day. Old, yes, family is very much so paramount. Um, 
every day our kids come into our building and we spend seven hours with them. But when they go home, they're spending time with their family. On the weekends, they're spending time with their family. And we really want that educational experience to continue. But also we want the partnership, um, especially when it comes to values. If your school values literacy and making sure that books are accessible to your students and that students have a love for reading and truly can uh, understand the process and how to make connections with the texts that are in front of us, um, if they have those same values at home, that means that the pipeline never stops. They come to school, they're engaged, they're getting that information, they go home, they're engaged with their family, they're getting that information, and then it becomes memories. When you get older, you, I remember when my mom read me that, you know, nighttime story, and I want to do that for my children. And that's how you can really continue that practice over and over when you make it a family tradition, a family value to be engaged with literacy, but also just in general yeah. to be engaged with, um, you know, academics and really adding to, to their abilities and, and information that they know, you know, knowledge. Yeah, but it, it, it's true. Do you want to comment more on that, Alicia? Families, the, the yeah. role of families I, in all I, this. For sure, and I so I so um, appreciate Jessica's perspective. She's a practitioner. She's on the front lines, right? She's yeah, dealing she is. with this every day. But what we when she's not when she's not newly disciplining the kids and giving them all detentions and making them sit and don't know. She's she's creating joy. She's keeping them engaged. Exactly. <laughs> We talked about this when, when we chatted um, last at the end of last year, the, the, the kind of post-COVID learning environment um, is a, it's a challenge for all. I, I right. fundamentally believe that the, that the biggest impact, one of the biggest impacts that COVID will have will be on this generation of learners. We, we um, oh, came yeah. out of yeah. COVID and, and are observing, particularly for children in under-resourced communities, um, we're, we're observing these kids that were coming back into middle school in particular. Um, they'd lost up to two years of learning, oh, fundamental, yeah. basic learning requirements yeah. so that they had been taught to read. So as they moved into middle school, they could read to learn. So here's this, this huge generation of learners who don't have the, the baseline building blocks. And of course, that's not even addressing the existing literacy crisis before COVID, where such a high percentage of children were entering fourth grade not reading proficiently. So you you build on all of that as you come out of COVID, and then you you're you're putting all these these young learners into middle school and and flooding the zone with um, with educators who haven't had the training they need to help these kids learn the fundamentals of reading. So we, oh, no, no, uh, I, I was we, a middle, I was a, back then it was a junior high school, but I was a middle school teacher. Today I would be a middle school teacher. And uh, I, 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 I've taught history. And I, if somebody said to me, teach these kids to read, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Know. Yeah. So, well, that's exactly boy, I get right. That. And it's not that you don't, for sure, and it's not that you don't want to be there to provide them with the tools they need. You don't have the resources and the tools you I need. Don't. So I don't. I didn't have the training. I didn't are, have anything. Yeah. Exactly. So we piloted in 10 markets um, what we call the Middle School Family Literacy Initiative, and it addressed the post-COVID challenges, right, that students entering middle school were facing, that educators teaching these kids were facing, and with a deep recognition that families are a critical element to drive reading outcomes for children. And they needed the tools and the resources to help them. 
there's not a parent out there that doesn't want what's best for their kids, but they're facing the same challenges that educators for middle school students were facing, which is they don't know what to do. They don't know, they know their kids That's need right. help, but they don't know how to help them. And, and of course, you know, if you're looking at a nationwide solution, every community has unique challenges. Their, the parents in those communities face their own unique um, challenges. And so what we're, what we really tried to do with this program is, is take um, a broad look and see if we could provide scalable solutions that could be made available broadly. And so in standing up our advisory board with people with superpowers like our Jessica Jones, <laughs> our Jessica Jones, <laughs> Jessica, you are not a Marvel uh, superhero anymore, you are a you're just, superhero. You're, just, you're not a Marvel comic book character, you're just a Marvel. You're just a Marvel. Forget the comic book character. Oh, you, <laughs> that's exactly right. So we brought experts, practitioners, <laughs> together to help us figure out what do we need to do? What do people need? Yeah. What are the tools they need? And with a, again, as you mentioned, Larry, you're a history teacher, we, all kinds of subject matters that are have to be um, addressed in middle school, but ultimately these kids yeah. need the building block of reading to be able to learn. Well, of course. And that's so, what this know. program is focused on. Absolutely. If kids didn't read when they got to me, they couldn't read, period, end of discussion. I had nothing to do with that. That's an English teacher's problem, okay, which, of course, it isn't, okay, but that's that's the way we thought back then. It's uh, it's unbelievable. So let me ask you this, okay, and uh, I'll ask it to Jessica. You you, you work, uh, and I know you're on the board. You're, are, are, is the school using reading as fundamental? Jess, is the school using reading as fundamental? So we use it in different capacities for sure. Well, um, one of those capacities is something that I worked on on the board, which is the digital solutions team. And um, we use the literacy tracker a lot. Um, that is something that well, we that's, 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 that's exactly what I'm asking. What I'm asking is yeah. all the things Alicia's saying is, are great, okay? But in, in actuality, okay, and this is where I want you to mm -hmm. expand on this, Okay, what's actually happening? I call reading as fundamental. They're going to send me 35,000 books and leave me alone? No, obviously not. So talk about all the things, how, how reading is fundamental. I'm going to ask Alicia to add to this, but at your school, the, the, the Inspired Teaching Demonstration School in D.C., how are you using reading as fundamental? Get into that nitty-gritty, and then I'm going to ask Alicia yeah. to expand that. So... Um like I was saying about the digital solutions team, they created a literacy tracker. And the literacy tracker allows both educators, teachers, and um, students to have access to how students are developing within their literacy skills. It gives um, teachers a platform where they can track data, where students can engage in text on their level. Um, it also allows families to look in and say, how am I, how's my child doing? How are they increasing in these um, skills? You know, what do I need to work with them on at home? And through this literacy tracker, we're able to keep up with all that in a way that is easy and family-facing, um, student-facing, and teacher-facing. Another way is the Books um, for Ownership program. Um, Reading is Fundamental gave about 40 million books to children, and that kind of um, relates exactly to what she was just talking about, about how during COVID, the access to actually having book ownership in your home, having three foot three three free books to take home with you to have in your home and share with your family is essential because it gives, a, you know, it gives students what they need in the house. Um, you know, you have books at school, you have books at the library, but you also need books in your home. And so through that book ownership program, uh, it really gives access to um, different families of all different um, types of income 
to be able to have books that your students choose. And in our work in the advisory board, what we do is we look at the books that are coming out. We look at different authors, different publishers, and we hand select topics that are going to be culturally relevant. We hand select mm -hmm. books that kids are really picking up and we're seeing that a lot of kids are enjoying so that those books are the ones that are available for free, not just the books that didn't get sold on the shelf, but the books that are the high choice books that students are really reading. Um, and another way I would say is just trying to get student input. Um, voice and input. We, we surveyed 4,800 kids, um, not just at my school, but all around to try to get yep. information about what, does, what do they want, what they need, and making sure that we are hitting those targets rather than doing, you know, fruitless efforts. We're hitting the targets that kids themselves have said that they, they want access to. Um, you know, and little things like bookmarks and posters to remind you to read and pick up a book with, you know, catchphrases that are culturally <laughs> relevant. Those are really nice as well. So there's many ways that we're getting engaged with RIF, but those are just some of those. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's all so good. And, and which, yeah, I, I have the feeling, okay, would you call your school an, an under-resourced school? I have a feeling that would be no. You're a pretty well-resourced Sorry, school, could I you think, repeat right? that? Our school is a what kind of school? We're under-resoured. You are not oh, an no. under-resourced school. But yes. You're I a well-resourced school. Under -resourced at all. Yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, I just wanted to clear I that up for people. Yeah. yeah, when I yeah, started, I, think... I was a teacher, and one of the things I yeah. noticed right away was that I didn't have to go into my pocket for anything, um, and that was a huge difference in my experience at other schools. Um, I Everything was surprising. Wow, wow. Um, it was amazing. Wow, yeah. that's saying something. That is really saying something. And I, I didn't know that. Did you start the school? Um, no, I didn't start the school, but I did start as a teacher there, and then I became an assistant principal. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure of that. Alicia, expand a little bit on that one, on, uh, on uh, reading is fundamental and how you work with schools. Dan, in other words, what, what can a school expect? Yeah, it's a really great question. I think, um, you know, you heard Jessica earlier say yeah. her school is a demonstration school. One of the, yeah, one of the things that, that reading is fundamental really focuses on is sharing what we learn and modeling those resources out to every school so that everyone Good. has access. Good. We do not limit. So our website at RIF.org, um, you can click on Literacy Central, which is a resource, a free resource for educators that supports literally thousands of books with engagement resources, interactive puzzles, vocabulary scaffolding, lesson plans, family engagement resources, that's available for free. So all the resources that we're able to create in these demonstration schools in partnership with these experts in communities across the country, we then make available for free on our website. In addition to that, we create these, these remarkable, um, you know, enrichment resources. We create campaigns just this month. Uh, this coming month, we're launching our Rally to Read initiative, encouraging kids across the country to read books. As part of that program, there are read-alouds and resources and themes that include lesson plans and family engagement resources. Um, there, are inter there are great authors that are participating. All of these resources at rallytoread.org are available for free. Kids can take a pledge yeah. to read books. Wow. There are reading logs. There are there are tools and resources. You heard Jessica mention our literacy tracker tool. Yeah. Most schools across the country are going to be familiar with these leveled reading programs, but they cost a lot of money. 
we want to level the playing field. So we've created a free leveled reading tool that allows kids to come in and select an, an area of interest that they're, that, that's particularly engaging to them, sports or whatever. And then it'll serve up reading passages and, and allow the student to kind of progress based on their performance. So a lot of engagement and tools and resources that are available at RIS.org. And you can click through the website. It's pretty pretty uh, straightforward. That'll get you to the yeah, places that you need to go. But ultimately, it's about access. And and yeah. and to to Jessica's point, for those schools that are that aren't under resourced, it's great additional support. But but we really deeply focus on those schools that don't have the benefit of these tools and resources. And these tools are available for everybody: parents, yeah. families, community leaders educators. It's, it's a free resource that, that's available to all. I, I wish you could see, see my face because what you just described and what Jess was describing, you know, it's what school's all about. This is what this is what school's supposed to do. All right? And, and, and you, you're making this available to everybody. There shouldn't be a school in the country who's not using it and who's not looking at this, who's having any school who's having trouble, should, can, can start to cure that. Okay? It, it's, just, it's just fascinating to me that there's a world of education out there, but we have to go outside that profession. If I'm saying this the right way, we have to use an outside source to do exactly what you're doing, what the schools should be doing. I mean, you guys should be so proud of yourself to fill that gap. It's, un it's unbelievable. You, the more you say it, the more unbelievable it gets that we're in a situation where, where schools aren't doing this. You know, that you guys have to do it for them. It's unbelievable. Thank you very much. Is that my speech for today? <laughs> It's unbelievable. Well, I, I, I will, I will say this, Larry. NGOs are a critical component, right? Um, Public-private partnerships are super important, and ultimately, they are. Um, what what RIF focuses on is addressing those gaps, creating joy, and really driving the importance of reading for students nationwide. And we will. My my favorite joke, Larry, is um, I'm done with my job when every child reads, and my deep hope is at some point I will work myself yeah. out of a job. I will. You never I will, will unfortunately. Optimistic. I'm not sure yeah. I'll do it. I know you're optimistic. I am too. But, but 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 you won't. And that actually was is my next question. But ask Jessica this: Jess, are you having trouble these days where kids are so locked into their computer screens, etc. Are you having trouble getting kids? Is there any trouble with getting kids to read? I mean, that's, I would say that's incredibly it's, important. I would say it has, it has increased in difficulty, but it's not much different than it always has been. I feel like students, for the most part, are going to be interested in what's most available to them and what's most in front of them. And because every kid has a phone, the access to the phone is so easy, it's available. And so if we show them that the access to, um, you know, the, their favorite books are just as easy as, you know, going to an app or, or picking up a book, then they're just as engaged with the work, um, especially if it's something that they already are inclined to. And so, like, for example, I did my um, webinar with Riff on radio theater because, to me, the audio book is a pathway for some kids to falling in love with literacy. And that's when you're following that as something accessible. And maybe you're not really into, like, reading a whole chapter book. So we start you out with an audio book and get you really engaged with the characters' voices and how, you know, alive the dialogue can feel in a book. And then slowly but surely, you're picking up that book without the audio book, and you're really falling in love with the characters, and you're able to make these connections with the films 
that, you know, are often made about books as well. So it is possible to get kids engaged. It's, it's a little bit more difficult because of how accessible phones are, but when you show them they can access those things on their phone as well, you, you begin to, um, you know, increase the interest a little as well. Yeah. Yeah, we just got to make it happen. Alicia, what are you finding? I'm just curious. That was a great answer, Jess. What are you finding? Do kids still like to read? Uh, I think that kids don't sometimes realize that they're reading, and we have to empower mm. them to recognize that if if they're playing mm. a video game with subtitles, they're reading. Yeah. If they're yeah. looking mm -hmm. at graphic art on the side of a yeah. building, they're reading. If they're reading yeah. a menu at McDonald's, they're reading. We need to celebrate those things. We need to empower them, and we need to be platform inclusive. We need to we need to enable them to have the opportunity to read and recognize that they're making progress. We also have to make sure that we provide them with books and literacy resources that are diverse, that they yep. can see themselves in and the experiences yep. of others mm -hmm. in. And ultimately, that's what engages a child. I'm interested in this because I can relate to it. And we've got to make mm -hmm. sure that we continue to provide them with relatable resources because that's what creates engaged and lifelong readers. You know, I never, I never asked Ben your second, right? Don't jump in on that. But I got to ask you this, and I don't know the answer to this, and I don't know if it's even. When I was a kid, we learned to read with characters called Dick and Jane. Everybody kind of remembers those, <laughs> okay? But obviously, they were they were white kids in the suburbs or wherever the hell they lived, okay? But it was the perfect household. And, um, you know, with Mother, Father, and Butterball, and whatever the dog's name is. Okay. And I'm curious, are there characters like that, that, that for, for like African-American kids or Latino kids? Yes, do you know, have they created that character that, that allows kids well, to, I don't know. I'm I was curious. I would say instead of, there, instead of there being like a Hallmark character, there are several. There are many. Um, for example, Jason Reynolds and his books like Ghost. That character for a lot of kids is uh, one that really comes alive in the book Ghost, and they love that. And I hear kids talk about it all the time. Hair Love, I hear a lot of younger elementary kids talk about that wow. book and how they relate to that character. It really all depends on the interest of that student, um, but there's characters for everyone now. It, it kind of feels like Good. that's kind of what we, we try to do in our middle school advisory council is, like, finding those books that have those characters that – speak to the lives of the kids that we're serving and connecting them with those books and then letting them run and enjoy, you know, meeting those people through the, through the text. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I think back when I was a little kid, I mean, a long, long, long time ago, and I, I can think of, I went to school in Philadelphia, and I think of the black kids in the city of Philadelphia reading about Dick and Jane. Believe me, it was, they must have gone, who the hell are these people? Okay, I didn't even know. <laughs> you know, it was, it was yes, just I unbelievable when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Growing up, it was hard to find characters that looked like me. Wow. And it's so amazing. It's <laughs> astonishing to me to see how many characters in the books look like me now. Um, and it's yeah, really good. great because I know that, good. you know, kids are also having that experience, you know. And all those, well, they, they look well, like I you now, they... so they're all wearing a cape because you're a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> you're a superhero. Exactly. <laughs> but the, yeah. the other thing I would add to this discussion that I think is really important, right, like, as, as this generation of learners consume information in a very different way um, than than we certainly did as we were as we were growing up and learning, I'll, I'll use a very personal example. I have three children; they are all outstanding. I couldn't be more proud 
the the most amazing thing my husband and I will ever do are those three children. But there's a 10-year gap between my older two, who, who just finished college, and my Congrats. youngest, who is just starting high school. Well, thank you. I'm very proud. But even in my personal experience, I'm watching this 10-year gap, and the way my youngest is learning and consuming information and reading is is so different than their siblings yeah. who are just 10 years older than them. And so when we think about not just wow. the content of the books that are provided, but the way we provide it, the way we reach these kids, the way we create opportunity for them, and interest and engagement, and I'll say it again, joy, a reason to want to read, yeah. we have to be innovative. We have to be creative. It's not yes. just getting that Dick and Jane book or that hair love book in front of them. It's about it's, it's finding where they are and capturing their attention with opportunities to read. And that, I think, is our challenge as educators as we look, and parents and, and decision makers, as we look to the future. It's It's learning from how we did it in the past, but really recognizing that we have to meet kids where they are and how they learn today. And yeah. uh, that's exactly that what we need to yeah. say that to everybody, including teacher education schools. They have to be very, very aware of this as they're teaching reading and teaching teachers how to teach reading. Okay. It's a whole different world out there. Ladies, we got to go. This has been more fun than I can tell you. Okay. It's a great way to start the week. Jessica, thank you, and good luck fighting crime. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> and Have you a guys are welcome. Let me it. just say it this way, Alicia, you're welcome here anytime, both of you. Okay, so stay in touch. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thanks, thanks so guys. Much. This was great. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> great. Well, everybody, aren't they great? Reading is fundamental. Is at ris.org, and please check it out. Okay, and. Thank God there are places like this, and they're not the only ones who are working hard to make sure kids are literate. All right, and thank you, Jess. It's great to meet you. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, and if you need me, I'm at Larry at ace-ed.org. That's because my name is Larry Jacobs, and this is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening.